KXNO Des Moines. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. In Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, another hour to go on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Pete Mundo from Heartland College Sports covers the Big 12. If you're a Big 12 fan and you haven't uh, made uh, Heartland College Sports a daily stop, I think you're missing out. They do, they've do. they really come a long way over there. Mm-hmm. A lot of content, Trent, and seemingly they uh, get better by the year. Pete Mundo will join us at about, what time do we have him? 15 after, 20 after? Yeah, right in that range. And then Scott Docterman from The Athletic, he was part of the the uh, media assembly yesterday uh, for Phil Parker and Brian Ferentz, who met the media in their bye week. A couple of minutes on this, if you'll allow me to, because it's kind of difficult to talk soccer in football season in the final couple of weeks of Major League Baseball, especially when the Cubs and Cards... Uh, the schedule worked out the way that it did, colliding as many times in the final 10 days of the regular season as they will. But on the surface, I mean, look, it would have been better for them to get this announcement out there in June. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, let's be honest. We would have talked much more absolutely. about it. I told you many times, I like soccer. I like soccer, World Cup, yep. Olympics, maybe. Right. right. When it's it. the red, white, and blue, you're, they've yes, got you. That that's when I'm in. And because of that, I'll flip on, sometimes randomly during... Busy sports season. You know, Team USA is taking on Mexico in a, a friendly. Yes, even a friendly. Right. I'll flip it on for a while because, A, those matches are incredibly entertaining, mm-hmm. physical, dirty at times. They're fun to watch. But I don't have a Premier League team. Right, nor do I. I. don't have any what, what, Liga. I think that's the yeah, Spanish. Yeah. I guess I have an Italian team just because I lived in Naples, so Napoli is my team. But outside of that, I don't wake up on... Bright and early on a Saturday morning at 6 a.m. to flip on soccer, though there are plenty of people that do. No, there are. But we are international soccer fans. We are not what you would consider big soccer fans. Fair no, to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, at the MLS has done very well. I know nothing about the United Soccer League. Mm-hmm. Here's my here's my the thing that kind of gets me, not kind of gets me going, it does get me going a little bit. Um, I remember being on the air when Wells Fargo was being talked about mm-hmm. and being completely wrong because it's never going to work. Yeah. <laughs> right? Kind of like I said about Ames and the new development. Yeah. It's hard to envision it something is. like that. It is. And I didn't think that Des Moines could support Wells Fargo. Well, I didn't realize Prairie was going to put the money behind it that they did mm-hmm. uh, with the gambling dollars. So, I mean, what, what would be the drawback? And, and where would the stadium be? I mean, it's literally, I mean, it's, it's not a hundred. It's not right outside our door by right. any means. Yeah. But it's not far from where we're located, correct? It is, yeah. They're MLK and 14th is the area they're talking about there. Because we're essentially MLK and Ingersoll. There is no MLK and Grand, or that's where we would be. Right, exactly. So, yeah, it'd be a hop, skip, and a jump away. You know, Just south of Exile, I think a lot of people know where okay, that is. Okay, yeah. So it would be just south of that area. Now, the river's right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know in terms of flooding. Oh, the, yeah, because that's a bad area. Yes, it is. I Whoa. mean, water comes up a lot there, and because of that, exactly how viable it would be. But I think it's a really cool idea. I know people are going to freak out about financing, where the money's coming from, public well, what, monies. How big is the? are they proposing for the stadium? Have you seen the seating capacity? About 6,000. Is what well, they're that's shooting not a for. Ton. Now, here's another thing. It's not just about the 10, 15, 20 home dates, whatever it is for 
the soccer team that'll play mm-hmm. in this league, but it's about, you know, Lincoln, I just called a game there Friday night. Mm-hmm. They're in due of an upgrade. Well, now mm-hmm. maybe Lincoln can play their home football games mm-hmm. inside that Never complex. thought about that. When we get to the state soccer tournament for boys and girls, they play a county, Well, and you have to have multiple going on, but when you get to the championship and get to play in a cool building like I that see where you're going, for state Trent. soccer, that makes sense. Club events that come in there, on and on and on. I have One of my best friends, his daughters are in the youth soccer going on right now, and one of them's playing at a pretty high level. She's somebody that plays on some high-level travel teams, has played internationally on some select teams, and it continues to grow at a high, high level. Is it sustainable? Is it something where in a 6,000-seat building, they'll be able to get an average of thirty-five to 4,000 every home game? I still don't know. Well, what are the menace drawn? They they used to play at Valley. Do they still? They moved over to Drake this okay. past season. But yeah, they were at Valley, I think, for about a decade. They were and that's been Krause as well, right? Yes. Krause yep. was behind this. And of course, he's come and go. Been in the news since Saturday. Yes. Um, just a little bit there. I, I think it makes sense when you look deeper than just the home team. So do the menace go away? I would think so. Yeah. Okay. That, that would kind of go hand in hand. So I think they averaged 1,500 fans. Last season mm-hmm. at Drake Stadium, and when would this? When would their season be? I think spring into summer. Okay, so that fits. Yeah, same kind of thing. It, it's there. It makes sense. This is not. It's an undertaking. You see a price tag of thirty, thirty-five million dollars uh-huh. for this stadium. There's sticker shock there. I get that. And where are they thinking of getting? I mean, they're not asking the city for money, are they? Not all, but it also will depend on will the city own it like they do Principal Park? Will that be a component oh, there? Oh, yeah, good, good if, point. If you go that direction. Because that's a sweet lease that yes. they've got. Well, yeah, they do. A bond issue. So there's a lot of different components, I think, that they're still working through and figuring out here. But in Look, the past, it's another option, entertainment option yes. for the city that we call home. What's I think the downside? it would be incredibly cool to see a new yeah. stadium like that built here, something that you could hold different events than just that. How about a concert? Was well, six thousand big enough for a con- well, I guess you can put people on the pitch, right? And and what kind of concert it is? I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be Garth Brooks, right. you know. It doesn't have to be you know somebody that's going to sell it out. Pearl Jam, as I still want to see them play at Principal Park. You know, Eddie Vedder was mm-hmm. at Principal Park mm-hmm. this summer. Still, my hope, but smaller things, you know, things that aren't quite as big and aren't going to have tens of thousands of people want there. And it would be a cool, intimate environment. On and on and on. I think it's a great idea. I hope this happens. I'm really hopeful. That it does happen, but if it's tax dollars, it's not my tax dollars. It's the people that live in city limits. Yeah, uh, and and when will they make this decision? I mean, their the marketing push. They've got, I think, Trilex is behind it. Mm-hmm. Was on the video. I watched the minute and thirty second video or whatever it was, and um, I know I'm sure they went around. and They followed all the KXNO talkers on, on Twitter. Yes. Um, so that's how I honestly first became aware of them. To be, you know, be perfectly honest, I, I mean, but they didn't. This was an announcement that came yesterday, right? Yes, we, yes. It's not like I've missed this. No, not okay, at all. Okay, good. It came out of, in fact, the first person that I saw with anything on it was a writer from The Athletic. And there's a piece on really? The Athletic. Yes. Their soccer guy broke this story as I saw it. And then the register picked up on it a little bit later. And, and the locals also in on it, too. So that was where I saw it yesterday afternoon. It was right before I went on the air for the Fanatics yesterday. So probably 3.30 or so. Mm-hmm. I saw that, read through it, and said... This could be really good. This mm-hmm. could be another good thing. And continuing to build the downtown area, that is right. an area that doesn't have a ton, continues to grow and build. But another venue, another idea, something different. Am I going to get season tickets? No, I'm not. But I go. I go mm-hmm. check it out. Check out the stadium. Do all those things. And... 
promote something like that yeah. because spring Take and summer. To a game? Yes, we're looking for stuff to talk about spring and summer. Maybe yeah, this is something well, you think it'll get to that. So when would when did they have to make their decision? And they want to start playing what two thousand twenty two? I think I saw. Yes, they would uh, break ground. They're hoping in order for this to move forward, they have to have financing in place. Basically, the go ahead by April of this coming year. So April of twenty twenty, they have to basically have the go ahead that we're going to do this. That we're going to push forward. It's a pretty quick turnaround, right? I mean, yeah, half a year. it is. So so help me out with this. Um, who are some of the other? Who would uh, other teams in this league? It's a Any big idea? league. It's like thirty six teams. What? There's big cities really? like San Diego and Nashville and San Antonio have teams also in so this I league. I just envision this for some reason uh, erroneously as a, like a Midwest league or something. And this is yeah, this is a national across the country. Big cities also wow. involved. Uh, Louisville, I believe, has a and team. And what do the players make? Any idea about the salaries? Don't of these know guys? about that. Yeah, that's. That is, would this be a cut right below uh, M- yes. MSL? Yeah, it's it's the, the second. MLS? It's the level below. MLS. It is for all intents and purposes, though it is professional. It's AAA. Okay, if you will, there's not going to get uh, an affiliation between a big MLS club. It doesn't sound like there will be anything oh, like that. Yeah. That there is, but Madison has a team, Madison, Wisconsin. So maybe a little bit more similar to some of those big cities that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Cool idea. We'll see. I mean, it's it's definitely in its infancy stage to see. What this going to turn into? But I'm hopeful. I'm well, hopeful I'm not it. just going to dismiss it just because of the fact that it's soccer and it's never going to work here. Look, it's it's another entertainment option for the city we live in. Mm-hmm. If and if it doesn't cost us anything tax wise, and like you say, Des Moines taxpayers would be the ones that and not and they wouldn't be on the hook for all of it, would they? No, I don't. I don't think that's what it is. I, in fact, I think Krauss already said that he's going to come out and and certainly have some seed money at the beginning of it. So you know, come and go. They threw a bone to the city of Des Moines too. Remember that. There's always what kickback. They well, they built their headquarters here just a few blocks oh, away from us, right over yeah. by the sculpture park. Right. Now, they could have gone a lot Fair of different point. places and probably got tax breaks mm-hmm. a lot of different places. They put it in Des Moines with that. And maybe a little tit for tat there. Could you see that happening? Could see it. Now back to our regular scheduled programming. Football <laughs> conversation next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 14. Restore. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO, 20 minutes past the hour of 11 o'clock. Let's go inside the Big 12 conference football-wise. Maybe the biggest surprise uh, of the Power 5 conferences so far. The depth has certainly got my attention. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com has my attention. This website is really taking off. Pete Mundo joins us. Pete, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. Pete Mundo, how are you? Trent, Ken, doing great, guys. Uh, Yeah, great week three for the Big 12 outside of the Cyclones up there. So a lot to be excited about right now in the conference. No doubt. And it's the depth, I think, that is going to lead people. You know, everybody makes predictions at the beginning of the year. Well, K-State stinks. Kansas is awful. West Virginia can't be any good. There's some depth in this conference. And maybe the team out of the ones I just referred to, Pete, that we missed on the most, fair to say, K-State and what Kleiman has done so far, winning in Starkville gets you attention are you kidding me i mean that what he has put together there through three weeks uh people are saying bill who i mean they're you know they're gonna forget about bill snyder here pretty quickly if this keeps up and and i say that tongue-in-cheek obviously they're never gonna forget about bill snyder but it really has been a seamless transition and and just you know i was at the k-state mississippi state game last year which was in um in manhattan 
And I'll never forget, it was no juice to that game, early start. Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald comes in, they blow him out early, game's over. I think it was 31-10 or something like that. And uh, it just kind of set the tone for what was a ho-hum, you know, mediocre, not really going anywhere season. And this past Saturday was the complete opposite of that. You had uh, a fan base that traveled pretty well. You had Skylar Thompson poking some fun after the game. Uh, NFL player Chris Jones, who plays for the Chiefs, that said that Mississippi mm. State basically was going to blow them out. And it just has a whole different feel to it this season. Um, and, and Kansas State, I know it's only three games in the Chris Kleiman's tenure, but, man, it, it looks great, and you've got to be excited because this is exactly what Kansas State wanted the transition from Bill Snyder to look like under Ron Prince. It obviously didn't happen, but kudos to, uh, to how that thing is going so far. On the uh, other side, Kansas, with the Jayhawks, they get a win, a win against a power conference team on the road for the first time in half decade. Uh, it's Les Miles. He certainly has the name recognition. Many people scratched their head when this hire came out. What did you see, not just on Friday night in the win against Boston College, but maybe bigger picture? Could could this work better than many of the detractors, myself included, thought that it could? Well, uh, it could. I, I'm not convinced it will. I think it was a great win. I, I did not expect uh, Kansas to beat Boston College. I thought they'd get blown out by three scores. They didn't. What I give Les Miles the most credit for is the fact that uh, this team was down 10 points in the first quarter, and for a program that's been as bad as they've been, for them not to give up, come back, and win that game and outscore BC uh, like 41-6 over the final three quarters is incredible. And that's a lot of kudos to a guy like, uh, excuse me, like Les Miles. Um, that's a coaching deal right there, and he deserves credit for that. Do I think after one game, because of one game, it, it's suddenly going to be better than it was going to be? No, I still have to see way more to believe it. They still lost to Coastal Carolina, a team they should have never lost to, who was uh, you know, all over the country in the wake of Hurricane Dorian a week prior. So, no, I mean, if they start putting together a, a halfway decent season, get to the uh, for win mark, I'll be singing a different tune, but I'm not going to do it because it could just end up being that BC is much worse than people expected. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports is our guest. How big of a blow is Alex Bowman uh, going down for, I think, what did I see, six to eight weeks, four to six weeks? going to be out a while, uh, half of the season for sure. Such a, such a high, um, but a lot of people really thought that he was going to lead this team. Maybe to more wins than... Um, and you know, then most people had them penciled in for. It's a blow not having Bowman. How big? Ah, uh, huge, absolutely huge. The drop off for Texas Tech after Alex Bowman is enormous. People have seen the Jet Duffy show before. It is not pretty. Even Cliff Kingsbury could not make him look like a decent passing quarterback. So I don't see why anybody else would be able to do that. Um, and then they've got a a transfer from Rice, Jackson Tyner who played very sparingly during his time there at Rice. So it's a huge drop-off. Um, but more importantly, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you know you come into the season and you have Alan Bowman, who last year had a couple of injuries with his collapsed lung and whatnot, and you're saying, okay, guy's healthy, feeling good, great, back to business. Two straight years now with, with pretty bad injuries, um, nothing with the head, which is good, but a collapsed lung, a big shoulder injury, it makes you wonder uh, – what his durability is and what his uh, long-term prospects are at the position and whether or not this program can rely on him to be a uh, quote-unquote franchise quarterback for Texas Tech moving forward. He's only a true sophomore, so theoretically, you know, he's got this year and, and maybe two more in the program. 
but it's it's going to be tough to sit there and say I can really rely on this guy based on how things have gone so far. Pete, certainly the game of the week in the Big 12 this week is Oklahoma State down in Austin taking on the Longhorns. Should be a good one there. We'll talk about that game in a moment, but kind of off the wall here, but I want to see if you have any perspective. T-Bone Pickens, the huge donor for Oklahoma State, passed away recently, and with it, the amount of money that he's invested in the football program, athletics as a whole. Any ideas are going to be an impact? Is there a concern, maybe from the community there in Stillwater, about what financially, how important he was, and maybe that money going away? I don't think so, no. I, I, I don't think that they are concerned about that uh, right now. I mean, he, he did, by all estimations, T. Boone gave, I think the numbers I saw was, was ended up being around half a billion dollars back to that university. They had that university right where they need to. They have a ton of other donors. Something interesting as well that, that should be noted is the fact that, you know, when T. Boone first gave his $150 million, and, and Jenny Carlson down at the Oklahoma actually told me this story on our Heartland College Sports podcast this week, that when T. Boone first gave his big money, he was worried that all the other donors would stand down and say, all right, T. Boone's got us taken care of. What actually happened was more donors stepped up to give money <laughs> back to Oklahoma State. It actually had a reverse effect. Wow. So they've had guys donate money for tennis facilities, um, and all over that campus. So uh, T. Boone got the ball rolling. His legacy will live long after he passes um, last week. But no, I don't think Oklahoma State has any concerns in terms of its, its funding moving forward or where money's going to be coming from. You know, uh, speaking of Oklahoma State, uh, the, the college basketball schedule, the Big 12 schedule was released yesterday. And Big 12 country re- came to the realization that, you know what, DirecTV or cable, not going to cut it. We're going to need more with ESPN+. Plus, But... It actually starts next week, right? Because if you're a fan of Big 12 football and you want to watch K-State and Oklahoma State because your team hasn't played either of those schools yet, ESPN Plus has got that game. And by the sounds of things, Pete, that won't be the last football game that airs on that platform this year. No, I've already watched several Big 12 games. Actually, this weekend, uh, West Virginia Kansas is on the Big 12 now on ESPN Plus. Uh, you know, I've heard so many fans complaining about it. Guys, you got to get with the times. I mean, this is not, this is not changing. This is where the entire industry is going. Um, this is where media is heading. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I, I'm a cord cutter myself. I have YouTube TV, hooks up to the Internet, and away we go. I don't have a traditional cable package. Um, and there are millions of Americans making that same decision. As a result, these companies, whether it's ABC, NBC, CBS, anybody else, they are now trying to get everybody to subscribe directly through them. And that is what ESPN Plus is. Um, Disney is launching this, which of course owns ESPN. NBC is launching its Peacock, which is what they announced today or yesterday. They're calling their new platform. This is happening. So um, you can complain about it, but I promise you it's not changing. Right. There's no emails you can send to SIDs or athletic directors that will change this decision or change where this is going. This is happening. The other complaint is, oh, well, we deserve to be on national TV. This is a big game. Mm. Uh, we want the rest of the country to see the Big 12. I kind of get that, but here's the thing. Every uh, every sector of media is becoming more niche. I want to be on. I want to see the Big Twelve on national TV every single Saturday night as well. If I can't, I don't blame ESPN for using its business model to say, "Hey, this game, K State, Oklahoma State, or this weekend, West Virginia, Kansas is going to be on ESPN Plus. Come sign up for it and become a member. Get used to it. I hate to say it, it's not going anywhere, and complaining is not going to do anything." 
No, it's not. It's just, it's just kind of tough. I mean, to, I'll be honest, Pete. Uh, I'm always honest. But today was the first day that the newspaper didn't show up at my door. So I mean, it's, it's baby steps for me, right? <laughs> uh, honest to God, true story. I mean, for I'm 60 years old. I've read the paper forever. And today was day number one without I kind of got the shakes. Yeah, you're going to be missing Ken, that. You'll, you'll, I promise you, Ken, you'll live. <laughs> I've experienced it myself. You will be okay. You'll get over the hump. The first day is the hardest. Okay. And you go. All right. Iowa State, last week, uh, just an incredible week for the university and the athletic department and that football program, game day in town, the national recognition that came with it. You know, game aside, Pete, your takeaway for Iowa State, what Campbell has done with that football program and having game day, game day there on that campus, what a big moment it was for ISU. A uh, huge moment, great day, fantastic uh, experience to watch on TV. I was not there, obviously, uh, but I will be actually up at the TCU game in a couple of weeks, so maybe a chance to meet some Iowa State fans. But Good stuff. Just an awesome, awesome experience to get to witness that. And, and, you know, if you're an Iowa State fan and you just put yourself back in 2015, uh, 2016, if someone told you that you'd be hosting college game day mm. against Iowa in September of 2019, you wouldn't believe it. Nope. Um, I know the game didn't go as planned, and, and I know, you know, for all the good that Matt Campbell has done, he can't get over the Iowa hump. That's probably a story for another day. But to keep it positive, what this guy has done with this program, you can never take away from him. Um, and, and there still are goals, of course, of getting to a Big 12 championship game. There are things I would like to see cleaned up on the field. But in terms of how Iowa State represented itself, you could not have asked for a better scene last week in Ames. I think it was everything college football uh, uh, shares with its fan base that other sports don't, the pageantry, the passion, all these different things. It was on display in Ames, and, and that fan base has a lot to be proud of. Yeah, no doubt about that. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Hey, Pete, last thing. Um, is Oklahoma poised, or if you had to bet, yay or nay, are they about to have back-to-back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners? I'm going to say no right now, Ken. I'm going to say no um, simply because there are obviously other options. In yep. And a lot of football. In Alabama and a lot of football. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. I mean, Jalen Hurts may have statistically end up with the best season. Um, but I just think that the voters are going to look for somebody else this year. And, and Jalen Hurts, as good as he's been statistically, uh, if you watch OU, he is not Baker Mayfield. He is not Kyler Murray. He's uh, a guy that's putting up big numbers, mostly because of the genius of Lincoln Riley right now. Finally, the big game of the weekend. Touched on it as we were talking about Oklahoma State and T. Boone Pickens making their way to Austin. I'm intrigued by this game. This Texas team had the loss to LSU. Spencer Sanders, I'm in love with that dude. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, admittedly, they haven't exactly played Murder's Row to this point, and it's going to be a big step up here in his first start down in Austin. But should be a great environment again down there. Oklahoma State, are they for real? Is this a team that can push towards the top of the Big 12? Don't think they can push towards the top, but do think that they can uh, scare a lot of teams at the top. And and they may end up fourth in the conference. I don't think they're, they're uh, third in the conference by, by December, but I think they can be in that four or five spot, maybe three. But if they are third in the conference, I think there'll be a pretty big gap between either one and two or or one, two, and three. Uh, the defense still scares the heck out of me for Oklahoma State. I mean, they, they are just having a tough time stopping anybody. Tulsa ripped off 21 straight points against them last week, and it seemed like what was a blink of an eye. 
and it looked way too easy. So I have I have concerns on that side of the ball, but uh, I agree with you there, Trent. The the Spencer Sanders looks like the real deal. Mike Gundy's getting the last laugh as as uh, he redshirted him last year and got a lot of flack for that. But the offense not missing a beat. Chubba Hubbard may be the the best offensive weapon in the conference at running back. So there's a lot to like. I think Oklahoma State's going to surprise people this year. Do I think they're going to push for a Big 12 title? I don't, but I think they'll be in every game. Well, there's a great Big 12 preview, as you guys always do these previews prior to every game. Matt Postens has this one at heartlandcollegesports.com. Of course, Matt, a friend of our program. He's got this as a very tight game. I encourage everybody, heartlandcollegesports.com, all you Big 12 fans in the listening audience. Pete, as always, thank you. Look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks. Trent can anytime, guys. Take good, care. Good to talk to you. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Postons has this a three-point game. Three-point game. Three-point game. Tight game. I can envision it. I can, too. It's on my list. It's on my list of probably 10 to 12 games that I'm looking to bet this weekend. Yeah, and it's 6.30. 6.30. Same time as Georgia-Notre Dame. It is. And in a, Illinois-Nebraska, just because yeah, right. of the Big, twi- the t- Big Ten West ties. You know, the 2.30 window is a little bit... You know, Texas A&M, Auburn should What's be pretty good. in the 2.30 window? But that window overall is... I wish one of these night games yeah, was pushed into point. that late afternoon window. Auburn A&M, mm-hmm. Which Louisville, is, Florida State, um, B- Washington, BYU. No. You're right, Trent. Middle of the day. Central Florida Pitt. Yeah. But TCU SMU, as Lee Sterling told us earlier, for the Iron Skillet. What time's that game? Two thirty. That's also two thirty. And who's got that? That is FS one. Eh, it's not as good as the eleven or the night. No, In the middle no. of the afternoon. Kind so of if lagging. you got a honey do list, maybe mid afternoon is when you're going to be I working don't. on that. Got a honey? I don't have a to do list. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic Miller and Condon till noon, fourteen sixty. Blue dot com. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. 1140 here with Miller and Condon. Good morning, Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Uh, Let's talk some Iowa, shall we? Scott Dockerman was part of the assembled media yesterday that got to listen to and ask questions of uh, Phil Parker, defensive coordinator. Of course, Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic joins us. Doc, Trent, and Ken. How are you, Doc? You know, I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty well, and um, wish the Hawks were playing this week. But on the other hand, it's good that they're off with all the uh, injuries that they have. Maybe they can work on this uh, uh, on this third down and short, Doc, as you chronicled. And it was a big talker yesterday at the press conference. Uh, you put out a, a number of stats um, pursuant to every one of the Big Ten teams and how they do in those third and short situations. I had no idea. I was right at the bottom, Doc. Yeah, they're clearly at the bottom on this one. You know, I went over a five-year period uh, just really since Rutgers and Maryland joined up through 2018, and and I wanted to just to see when they are third and three or shorter from getting a first down, how do they – it just doesn't seem like they're getting many explosive plays. So that was kind of the start of this whole thing, and then I went back through, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is unreal. I mean, they've, they've in five years on that, in that situation, they've averaged 1.8 yards a carry, 326 yards. I mean, that's 200 yards worse than 13th, you know, Rutgers. I mean, it's half of what Rutgers mm. averages per rush, which is worse, the second worst. I mean, they barely get a first down. I mean, it's 50-50 on that one. Uh, you know, they have no explosive runs, they, to say the least, out of that situation. And, 
And so my, my question to Brian Ferentz yesterday was, uh, you know, pertaining to running 22, 23 personnel in those situations. And, you know, he tried to, he kind of looked at it more in a third and one situation, which is, uh, yeah, we get the first down about 75% of the time. And that's what we're looking for. Well, the problem is they bring in all this heavy personnel. That's kind of anti to what they do as a, as a running game. And uh, they just jam somebody in the middle of the line of scrimmage and, they're only, you know, getting first downs half the time there. So I think there's a lot there that they need to look at. And to me, the, the most logical conclusion is just run your regular offense. Just run a regular play. Don't try to do it this way. But they're pretty stubborn, and uh, as we can see, the numbers bear that out. Now, I just read through the transcript, didn't get to hear how tonal-wise Brian Ferentz was, but... Reading through it, he didn't seem like he was real pleased with your line of questioning there. Uh, when <laughs> Oliver Martin was brought up, he got all fired up. A cranky Brian Ferentz, at least it read through the transcript. You were there. Uh, how fired up was Brian yesterday? I don't think he was thrilled about it. You know, questions. A lot of coaches don't get that way when you start asking about strategy or personnel. Uh, you know, whether why somebody is or isn't playing, and why is uh, why are you doing certain things in these situations. So I think in his case. He was defensive, which is what you get. You get that a lot. I would say in basketball, we get it just as much in, at Iowa. So uh, if Kirk's not quite that way. He might be muttering under his breath. But, uh, you know, yeah, he was a little bit cranky, especially when Oliver Martin got brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, he only played two snaps against Iowa State. People are wondering where he is. That's kind of one of the big talkers among Iowa fans right now. And, and uh, he just basically chose to punt and said, hey, the other guys are playing well. I'm not going to play this game this year. You know, because after last year with Noah right. Fant and a lot of, and on the other side of the ball, AJ Epineza, uh not playing over uh, Parker Hesse. So he says he's not going to play that game anymore, and it's up to us that it's our problem. So I guess it's our problem, and we need to try to find, figure out our own solutions, even though uh, we have nothing to base it on. You know, and, and um, I, I do believe, you know, you mentioned Noah Fant and, and back to last year. If that doesn't happen last year, if that line of questioning isn't there, if, if Fant gets the uh, the number of opportunities that the Hawkeye Nation thought that he should have, then maybe he's not so, not upset, but doesn't want to uh, uh, go down this path again if indeed the Fant situation uh, didn't arise last year. Yeah, that's a good possibility. I mean, last year was contentious at times, especially on social media from fans' family. It really kind of, you know, really became an issue. And, and you know, they still played two tight ends on, you know, 63% of their snaps, which, but I would argue when you have those two talents play 80% or more, you know, I mean, and, and I'm really kind of coming back to the, the full circle to the, to the third short situation is they are so in love with their fullback, but when they do it in this way, it really negates the potential for any kind of play other than it's almost like, let's just get the first down. That's the, their whole concept rather than, well, let's get the first down and see how many yards we can get out of this play. So, And that's kind of the way it was last year with Fanton Hawkinson. They do things uh, they, in a certain way and maybe don't cater enough to their personnel. But uh, but there's a lot of nitpicking going on for a team that's 3-0 and and won a pretty big game on the road. It is uh, 3-0 and a quarter of the way through the season, which is sad to say we're Don't a quarter of the that. way through the season. <laughs> but here we are. Doc, uh, a component, the special teams. You know, there, there's been a lot said, certainly from the Cyclone perspective, Brent Bloom with the stat uh, about yards per play. But there is another component to football. It's not offense, defense, it's special teams. And Iowa picked up a whole lot of yardage on the special teams, doing it with the punting game, how good the kicking game was, returns coverage unit, on and on and on. 
Special teams were at a high, high level. Iowa won in the margins. That's the, how they won that game. Turnovers, mm-hmm. two of them, and special teams. It was pretty obvious. I mean, Michael Sleep Dalton averaged eight yards per punt more than the Iowa State punter. Uh, Keith Duncan had one of the great games I've seen. Uh, four field goals, for, you know, in one in each quarter, so he's going different directions over a six-hour period. <laughs> Sometime in the sunlight, sometime in the in the rain, the rain, the wind, the dark, different hash marks, uh, and then you know their coverage units were strong, and then, of course that came out in the very end when the one final play basically you know tipped in their favor. So uh, that's the way Iowa has to win close games against good teams on the road, and I think Iowa State's an excellent team. So uh, you know is to win those games, and I think that's what they needed the last few years from their punting game and didn't get. Now they have it that they get out of bad territory and, and kind of flip the field and allow its defense to work for it. So uh, that was certainly a plus for them on Saturday. You know, a lot of new faces that Hawkeye fans are getting, and media, quite honestly, is becoming more familiar with. Um, you know, and Jack Kierner is one of those guys. I mean, we talk about Linderbaum, we, and the shooter was a nice story early in the year. Uh, of course, the running back, uh, Goodson, started getting a lot of love. But Jack Kierner's come in, and maybe in the, the first time he saw the field, he was kind of a little deer in the headlights, and that's to be expected. I think he's really taken his game. His arrow is pointing up, Doc, I guess is where I'm going. I think right now he's probably the guy at free safety. You know, he's got two starts to one for Kayvon Merriweather. But, you know, in a lot of these cases, when you have guys who don't ha- haven't really built up a lot of equity, and I would say Merriweather's in that category, they could be beaten out. And Kerner, by the way he played the other day, I mean, he was part, you know, he was part of that big play against them in the second half, uh, in the first drive of the second half. But other than that, really a solid heads up game. I mean, he's big, he's physical, he's kind of built like, Boy, Brandon Snyder was, uh, you know, he recovered that fumble that you know Stone forced uh, on Brock Purdy, and then late in the game, one of the most heads-up plays I've seen in a long, long time. Awesome. It was that fourth-down pass that he would have caught the ball like it's a five or inside the five of, of of his own territory, and he knocked it down, and that that gave Iowa the ball right around the forty, and you know Iowa didn't do anything with it, which we know they weren't going to do anything with it because of the way the game was going. But that enabled them to punt, you know, and, and force that fumble rather than do it from their own end zone and potentially Iowa State getting the ball in the 40 with a minute and a half to go and down one point. So uh, really heads-up play uh, for, you know, for somebody who hasn't played a lot um, and is a young player. So I think he's probably earned that starting position at this point. College game day was in names. Will college game day see the Iowa Hawkeyes again this football season? Michigan in a couple weeks. They can find a way there. It is Penn State coming in after that. Will the Hawkeyes be involved with game day again this season? I doubt it. Um, I don't know that either one of those two games would would kind of meet that um, criteria. Maybe it would. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know the schedules for everybody else off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But the only one that the one in Madison that I think would make the most sense is Madison, yeah. yeah. But that's also Alabama LSU day. Oh, my. So it, it, it might get out right <laughs> there. <laughs> you know? And I kind of have the feeling that if that game's important between Iowa and Wisconsin, and it will be, that it'll probably be 11 a.m. on Fox. So mm. I, I think that it's going to be Alabama LSU. So now, if Iowa gets to Indy, it very well could be there. But that I would probably say that would be the best possibility. And 
and we're a long way away from that one. Mm-hmm. And Fox is a long, long way away from game day, but at least the Fox team is taking their act on the road. And maybe it's easier to do because I believe they're based in L.A., but they're actually going to a stadium for the first time with their pregame show, which Urban Meyer is, uh, has just been terrific. Doc, great stuff. What are you watching this weekend? Well, part of it is I'm going to see my kids for the first time <laughs> nice. in a month, you know, since they're at college. You know, so obviously I'll watch the Michigan-Wisconsin game. I think that's really important to the not only this week, uh, you know, but I think to the setting the tone of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, know that, we'll know how good those teams are. And obviously Iowa plays Michigan in two weeks. Wisconsin is, you know, their, their blood rival, so you'll see them, you know, down the road. So that's going to be the primary game I'm going to be paying attention to. We'll get you back on here Monday to talk about that and to preview the week ahead as Iowa gets back onto the field and pick your brain as to where we're at in the Big Ten West after this weekend. Doc, thank you as always for coming on. Appreciate it, Scott Dockerman. All right, have a good weekend, guys. Yeah, you do the same. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as he joins us here. Uh, and our final uh, guest on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. So will we see game day Iowa or Iowa State involved? We'll open it up a little bit more. Mm. Good point on that Wisconsin one. Yeah, it's, uh, because of uh, LSU and Alabama. No, Trent, I don't think so. What if Iowa beats Michigan? And for Penn State, you mean? And Penn State's also undefeated at that point. And what, what, what weekend is that? That is October 12th. The 12th of October. Red 11? River Shootout is that day. Maybe and tech- does that Fox have that? They guess do. Is- That's their 11 o'clock Fox game. Uh-huh. Now that maybe that throws a little something into it. What have they got set up right now? USC, Notre Dame. Uh, Alabama, Texas, A&M. Michigan State, Wisconsin. Can't see that. Rutgers, Indy. <laughs> um... Yeah, Florida's at LSU. If Florida keeps winning, Florida keeps Felipe winning. Franks is hurt, but they keep finding a way. That'll be a top ten matchup. Well, we don't even do we have a guesstimate as to when that game is going to kick? It'll be a night game. You pretty sure From it will be? Every indication that I have heard, it would be a surprise if it's not a night game. Um, where have they? Where is it on them? I'm looking at the football schedule, the television schedule. Oh, yeah, okay. It's TBA, TBA. So they don't have a time or they don't even have a network assigned to it nope. yet. Still a few weeks away Still from that. Still a few weeks away. Uh, maybe. I guess there's a chance, right? I yeah. guess there's a chance. But they've already kind of done the state the of Iowa, Iowa thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's more likely if, if there's an Iowa-based team that they're, they're a road team that week, don't you? Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it would be. I mean, Oklahoma, Iowa State. I still, I think it's a stretch. I think so too. Yeah, I think it's a stretch. We got our game day. For yeah, the year. we did, and it was a hell of a day. It was a hell of a day. The football game was pretty good too, and I don't, you know, the six hours I wasn't there, so I wasn't uh, inconvenienced mm-hmm. like you folks that uh, for some. But you saw a pretty entertaining football game. Now, again, at the end, I sure wish we would have had a chance to see how, you know, buck thirty-seven on the clock. What's going to happen? Offense versus defense. I just don't think, as I mentioned to Doc, enough is being played up of how much Iowa dominated special. Oh, Trent is huge. And look what look at the difference. I mean, in the Cyclo game. fans think that there's only two components to the football game. No, there isn't. No, their they're, they're special team stunk. They did. Didn't return a punt. Nope. The one kick they backfired on them. Yes. The short punt out of the end zone after mm-hmm. the kick running out of the end zone backfired on them. Special teams is huge. Duncan was awesome. 
Duncan was Sleep tremendous. Dalton was incredibly good. He's been really good all year. Yes, he has. Outside Keith Duncan's that, been really good all year. He ha- hasn't missed a kick. Eight Think for eight on that. each side. Both extra points and field goals on the year. Yeah, and you brought it up early in the week. I guess I didn't realize that he was still not on scholarship. And to sit there and for two years and to... A North Carolina kid, too. It's, right, not, it's not like he grew up in Iowa City, right? No. And even that, if you know it's a kid from Illinois or Minnesota or something, it's a walk-on. At least you're close to home. His family's in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And you're walking on for a football... As a kicker... It's a, it's weird. hard not to root for that kind of story. No doubt. Speaking of rooting, who are you rooting for tonight? So where will you be? Will you be Cubs car? I know you're doing Hawkeye Nation radio show I am. at seven. Seven o'clock tonight. So you get home and um, you're going to turn on what first? Flip on the Twins first. Six sixty eight is always first. <clears throat> and who who do they have? Are they still Royals. with the Whites? Oh, the Royals. Yuck. Yeah, Royals for four. Let's, let's get this thing clinched over the weekend. So how much time will you spend on that? Will the game dictate it? It will, yes, If it's absolutely. close, are you going to stay there as opposed to going to NFL? Uh, probably not. It'll probably be, there'll be more flipping than normal here tonight. Cubs cards going on, mm-hmm. football. I got an opinion, both uh, the college oh, well, and the let, pro. Let me hear it. I'm on the Jags tonight. Okay, and the college game is what? Uh, Houston, Houston Tulane. Tulane. I'm on the under in that one. So a lot of opinions tonight. A lot of shekels out there. Plenty well, of units being bet. We will um, we'll see how you do. Of course, you're still waiting to make amendments for Mr. Monday Night. Mr. Monday Night's off to a slow start. We're 1-2. and two. We'll bounce back. Mr. Mr. Monday Night, he's got his team going this Monday night with the Bears and the Washington. Oh, that's Monday? That's the I Monday guess. game. I didn't realize that. That's good. Well, we'll do a big NFL segment to start. That we'll try and get all of our, air quote, local NFL teams in the program tomorrow. Uh, Dylan Montz will be here on Iowa State. Tom Cakert on Iowa. Bama Bob Trent and I will have a... A list of games to go around from a national perspective. We'll give away some barbecue. We'll throw our picks out there. It's a Friday after all. All right, uh, Murph and Eddie coming up at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Travis Hines is in today. Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show at 6. Hawkeye Nation at 7. Morning Rush starts a Friday tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here, 1460.